You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited to have you. It's a big day here, Wednesday. Supposed to be a snowstorm. Not too much storm. It was it held off because Tim was coming home. He could he had enough of Charlotte and he's back in Traverse City, right? Tim, back for good. Not back for good, back for a few days to get the rest of my belongings that are in storage. But a long day. I feel like it's it's eleven AM right now. I feel like I'm ready for bed already because I I woke up around three forty-five for my flight. I have a couple, couple gripes I want to I want to pick with the wow. my 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 flight. So, first thing is in Charlotte Airport is really nice, and I got there like like four ten four fifteen, and um, the parking lot for long term parking is like almost a mile away from the 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 terminal. And I only had my backpack. I didn't. I'm only going to be gone for a couple of days, and there's like a shuttle stop there that like you know they, they bring people there but i waited for a few minutes and i was kind of like cutting it close i was like if i don't leave now i won't walk in time if the shuttle doesn't come i'll miss it so i gotta i gotta walk so i walked like against traffic kind of like on like the highway within the within the uh airport just like dodging cars all the way to the terminal uh made it fine but i was like sweating because you know just layers on because i knew it'd be cold when i got to michigan and then the first flight was only half full and we're in the the row where there's just two on one and three on the other. And it's only half full. There's a bunch of empty rows and the guy, of course I have a person next to me and the flight starts to take off. We're in the air. And I, I'm just kind of hoping that he'll like, what do you do in that situation? You, you go grab, you grab an empty seat, right? There's yeah. no reason to be sitting next to a stranger with all these empty rows. And he didn't do it. So I, from my window seat, I got up and did it. I was like, Hey, I'm going to, step over you for a minute and grab an empty row i thought he would do it um but he didn't which is kind of crazy that's when you reach over and just tickle his hand a little bit yeah sneeze or something no just like try to hold his hand be like hey (laughs) let's make it so awkward the last thing is um on my my second flight from detroit here to traverse city the guy in front of me in, in line as we boarded the plane he kept like the first couple rows, he was looking at the row number to seeing like if it was his, you know, people do like, oh, this is mine. And he did it every single row. You know what row he was? 22. He looked at every every row to see if it was his. He looked up and down, thought about it, and then kept going. The next one looked up, mm, not mine, and kept going all the way to the back, all the way to the back. And like, what, row were, what row were you? I was, um, I was seven. Like, I, I, yeah, I was pretty up, up front, but he was... I had to wait to get to row seven because he was checking all of them. And I watched him. He was a second to last row. And <laughs> I, I wonder, like, I don't know, was it just too early for him or is he just a weirdo or what? But it was not good with numbers, Tim. It and happened. I guess, you know, you get up that early in the morning. Those things just irk you. You get ornery. So it's been a long day already. Well, now you get to relax and talk to me about hockey. It's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. We had a weird night too. Well, our, our little one, she was walking around with my wife's water bottle and she had a, those plastic straws that are pretty rigid. Yeah. Of course we're always careful with this. And this time we like 
let her guard down and she was walking around with this cup and she stumbled, fell and spiked the straw on the top of her mouth. Oh, and it was like you opened up a geyser with blood gushing out of her mouth. I immediately start crying. I'm I'm inconsolable. I'm kidding. I grab her, pick her up, run to the sink. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. And then she opens her mouth and it's just like a volcano of blood comes spewing out. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Like, uh, Danielle, something's wrong here. And so we finally like get the blood out of her mouth, calm her down, wash it out. And she's just losing her mind. I call my buddy who's a doctor. I'm like, should we be worried? Should we take her in? And he's like, ah, it's hard to break that bone. She should be fine. And she's just, you know, when you get a little cut or you burn your mouth, it's just miserable. She's got a massive gouge at the top of her mouth and it's big. So oh. she's probably, so I left early this morning. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. So <laughs> I'm sure she is just struggling today, but she's, she's a trooper. But yeah, we were, we were on pins and needles for a good half an hour. Cause the doctor, my buddy was like, if it doesn't stop bleeding for an hour, you should take her to the ER. And I'm like, I do not want to go to the ER right now during this whole thing. They're going to be so weird about the Omicron and not getting in. And I would have probably gone to jail because I would have punched one of the nurses or something. I, it would have been a bad idea. So I'm glad we didn't have to go. She's fine. Everybody's good. My wife and I played a game of cribbage last night. I play at lunch hour here at work and I just crush the guys who I work with all the time. In the nicest possible way, but I, I'm the number one seed in here in the office. And she, my, my, my wife beats me all the time during cribbage. I don't understand. Like, it's just only, but she just doesn't even know how to play. She's like, how much is this worth? Um, how many do I peg here? And she's just not interested. I'm just, it drives me absolutely crazy. But if we play 20 games, arbitrary number, she wins 15 of them. Drives me nuts. And so, yeah, she beat me last night and then didn't want to play again. Of course, she only wants to play one game, which also drives <laughs> me crazy. If you're going to invest in one game, you got to be down for three. You got to be down for three. Moving on. Let's get to the NHL. Some very concerning news came out to me. And it was concerning in the sense of, I think if this kind of news continues to happen, I'm going to fly to Arizona and burn down the damn rink and just move the team myself. So there's been some rumors going around that the Arizona Coyotes are shopping Jacob Chitrin. Why? I don't know. If I'm the Arizona Coyotes, I'm not going to make the playoffs. That's obvious. I'm not going to make the playoffs next year. That's obvious. I'm not going to make the playoffs in the next two years. It's obvious. Maybe I have a chance three years from now. I have three first-round draft picks next year. I'm going to have more the year after that because I'm going to be a seller at this deadline. I have a potential to have a good team in a few years. Who would I want to build my team around? Let's look at my roster. On the, on the forward side, okay, we got Clayton Keller. Could build my team around him. He's a good young winger. Has some pretty good hands, pretty slick. Okay, I've signed him. I sign him for a big deal. He makes 7.1. Who else could I build my team around? Phil the Thrill, he's gone. Louis Erickson, can't believe he's still in the league. Nick Schmaltz, maybe. Okay, we signed him to a long-term deal. Good. Andrew Ladd, had him on the show, friend of the show. Not going to build my team around him. Antoine Roussel, um, a terrible rat. Lawson Krause, nope. Johan Larson, journeyman. Christian Fisher, Nah, Barrett Hayden, never heard of you. Liam O'Brien, piece of garbage. 
Alex Galchenyuk. We all know about Alex. Travis Boyd. Never heard of him. Okay, so two guys on, on the forward side, Keller and Schmaltz. And are they really cornerstone-type players? Are they players who, when you think about it, it's like, this is my guy. I'm going to – this is this is the guy. Tim? No, they're great young players, but no. They're not, no. They are not cornerstone pieces. I totally agree. So we're going we're gonna to slide south to the back end, the defense. This is why you win championships on the back end and down the middle. I've said it for years. I truly believe that. Anton Strallman, good veteran defenseman, 35 years old. Shane Gossespierre, their best player so far this season, maybe, but he's 28. He's got some issues. Mainly, is he going to show up every single night? Ilya Lubyevskisk, nope. Giannis Moser, nope. Kyle Kopigapagano, nope. Man, is it me or does Arizona have the most vowels in their last name on the back end I've ever seen? Probably the best name of any defenseman in hockey, Dyson Mayo. Love that name. Not going to build my team around him. And then you get to Jacob Chitrin. A six foot two, 210, 15 pound Adonis sculpted out of marble. He's absolutely gorgeous. He's signed to a manageable contract, 4.6 for the next three years. Left side defenseman, first round draft pick from the United States, can play for both USA and Canada internationally. Hasn't chosen any, probably will choose the USA when it comes down to it because Canada slighted them so many times. Likes being in Arizona. An ideal defenseman gets up in the rush, plays physical, does whatever you want. You know what? That's that's too smart for Arizona. We're going to float his name and try to trade him. How stupid do you have to be to even let this happen, to let this guy's name even hit the open market, to even call one GM, to even entertain a call, to even have this news hit Hit the press. I don't care if this is true or not. The fact that it's in the news, people are talking about it. Teams are associated with Jacob Chitrin. They're maybe entertaining offers. Bill Armstrong should lose his job yesterday. This is crazy if he trades this guy. It's absolutely crazy. There's no reason teams are flooding Arizona with calls right now. This is like a wounded duck, and there's just coyotes circle. Oh, it's a bad analogy because the coyote is the wounded duck. They're just, it's just a bad situation. I don't know. What do you think of this? You're probably loving this because you're a Bruins fan. Don Sweeney's he's calling Bill Armstrong right now saying, what can I do to get this guy? The Bruins have lost to Dane Ochara. They lost Tori Krug. They lost. Who else did they lose? Somebody else. This is a perfect situation for the Boston Bruins if they can manage to pry this guy out of Arizona. It's it's a no-brainer for them, but I don't know if they have the assets to land a Jacob Chitron. What do you think about this situation? I'm I'm fired up. I think it's just a complete joke. My yeah, I agree, and I can't imagine why they want to do it. when you when you when you brought up the point earlier. I thought maybe he's on an expiring contract, as as these things tend to be. When you hear like a, a good player being moved, they know they can't resign him, whatever. But he's under contract for for several more years. So the only thing I can think of counterpoint here is that. Last year, he, he had a, a great unreal season, 18 goals, 41 points in 56 games. That comes out to 26 goals and 60 points in a full season. That is elite, elite, top, best of the best type defenseman numbers, um, especially on the goal side. That just doesn't happen. 26 goals is, is just wild. So 
great, 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 great season. It's sort of anomalous when you look compared to his other years. And obviously this year he's struggling, although hardly his fault. He's got a horrible roster around him. But I wonder if they're looking at last year as an anomaly, looking at maybe, you know what, maybe this year is more of who he is or the other season that he's played is more of who he is. He's got a lot of name value because of what he did last year. Let's let's trade him now while we're still only a few months from uh, an elite breakout season and and get something for him while we can. Because if he continues to struggle and he does this again next year, all of a sudden he's lost all value completely. So I don't think that's the case because I think he is the legit, but he's really only had one good season. So maybe that's what they're trying to do here. I disagree. I think he's played well his whole career. When you look at the Arizona Coyotes, they had a good team in 1920. They made the playoffs. That was fun. They won a round. That was fun. He played well. He was still young. He's still a young player. You know, it's not like he's 27, 28 years old. The kid's 23 years old. He jumped right into the NHL when he was 18. He had a good opening couple seasons. I, I can make that's a stretch if, if you're going to, if you're going to say that. It's very hard to get points when you're playing on the Arizona Coyotes. It's like, okay, outlet pass. Who are we going to get it to? There's nobody there. They got rid of Connor Garland. They got rid of Oliver Ekman Larson. They got rid of all their like top skill guys, and they just hemorrhage talent every year at the deadline. So for a good quarter of the year, he's playing with AHL guys. To start the season, he's playing with guys who aren't interested. They got Well, I guess he probably played with Marion Hosa. Oh, no, and Pavel Datsuk. Oh, no, those are guys that he just got for contracts. I think this is just a terrible mistake by Bill Armstrong. I, I don't, there's no other way to look at this. I don't understand why this is even a thing. How can you trade? I, if this trade happens, Bill Armstrong should never be able to be a GM in the NHL again, unless the only reason I can think of, and it's a far-fetched reason he knows this incoming class of draft picks is the, what's the good, good classic in the 2003 class. It yeah. was like insane. Yeah. If he knows this is a 2003 class and everybody coming into this draft class is going to be an absolute stud. And he's a stockpiling draft picks because if you trade Chitron, you you got to get two first rounders for him. You have to. And that would put them at four first rounders this year, another first rounder next year. And he's just going to knock it out of the park with their draft picks. But that's, that's so far fetched. It's not going to happen. So I am upset. I think there should be some semblance of you want to make your team better. You want to try to build your team. And how are you building your team when you're trading away every good asset your team has? I don't understand it. The guy eats up minutes. He gets 25 minutes a game. His plus minus is manageable playing for an absolutely garbage Arizona team. He is the cornerstone of that organization. He should be their captain. You should build around him. He should be the next Shane Doan. I don't get what is happening here, but if I'm another team, I am, I am having Arizona on speed dial and I'm flooding their calls with voicemails because I don't want any other team to, to even get a chance to talk to this guy. The teams that are interested in him, the Islanders, the Bruins, the Kings, the Ducks, the Oilers, the Panthers, the Leafs, if they get this guy, he changes. If the Leafs can somehow pry him from Arizona this season, I, I think the Leafs could win the Stanley Cup if they get a player of his type caliber and put him on the back end. That's a dangerous team if they can get him. And they're they're throwing around players that they would want. Sandin, their other defenseman. If they can if they can make that work, Toronto, this is this is a very good move for them. Because I don't know. I think Chitron is a game changer. I really, really like him. I know he doesn't get much accolade because he's in Arizona. I know his numbers aren't there. 
because we just talked about the forwards he's playing with, the defenseman, his partner he's playing with. He always goes up against the other team's first line. He's a really good defenseman. And just when I heard this, when I saw this, I was seething mad. I was absolutely seething mad. I I still like Arizona, even though they did me dirty and traded me to Montreal and the whole all-star fiasco. I still enjoy Arizona. I had a really good time there. I'm still friends with a lot of guys from that team. It's, it's a travesty that this has happened. When I was there, we had a really good team. We were in contention for the playoffs. So I get traded. Ever since then, it's been a complete train wreck. It's just, it's just a travesty. They need to move the team out of Arizona. It's, it's embarrassing what is happening there. The ownership debacles, a constant changeover in GMs and head coaches and presidents and everything. It's just the, the rink doesn't want them there. Glendale's like, kick rocks. We don't want you here. You're not making any money. We get more money from a Shakira concert than we do from an Arizona Coyotes game. So just beat it. So I, how can you defend this? Honestly, how can you defend this? I don't know. What is the price, though, Tim? If they do make the huge, massive mistake and trade this guy, what is the price for a Jacob Chitron? Just say the Oilers. Lord knows the Oilers need some help. What do they have to give up to get this guy, in your opinion? I mean, the asking price is really what's actually gotten. depends on what the market is, but I think the market's going to be really strong for him, like you said. So a couple of firsts and, you know, a prospect, maybe a second. Like, I think I think they're going to shoot for the moon and, and hope to get it and try to start a, a bit of a bidding war. Um, the thing that they have kind of going against them is that it's early. We're not really at the trade deadline yet. We still what? What is that like end of February or something like that? It's we got some uh, time, yeah. Yeah. So so guys, teams might be more cautious, they might be reluctant to give up too much at this point. Um, that said, it's not too often a guy that his caliber at a young age and a manageable contract comes on the market. So I could see teams bidding for him. So I think at least a couple first and, and a prospect or a second, but we'll see what actually how it actually plays out. Yeah, this is an interesting situation to keep an eye on. It just depresses me. It honestly does. You should you should be in the business of trying to win Stanley cups. That should be your sole goal. And there is no way you can convince me that by trading a young fleet footed, tall, physical defenseman that signed on for three more years at a really good number. 4.6 is a really good number for him. There's no way that that makes sense for you to win a Stanley cup by trading him when he's 23 years old. It's just a, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Moving on. There's another defenseman who's on the market. And I like this. I like when teams trade for players early. You're starting to see it more and more often where teams get a jump on the trade deadline. Maybe the, the number and the value is not as high because it's just there's not as many bidders out there. So if you can get a player early, get them acclimated to your team, get them used to the system, you, you just gain so much more. So I like what teams are trying to do here. I like teams floating players. Seattle knows they're out of the playoffs. They're not. They're a bad team. I think the whole Seattle experiment, everybody comparing them to Vegas, it was, it was never going to happen. Vegas hit a one-in-a-million situation where every other GM in the league didn't know how to handle this situation. They took advantage. They made backdoor deals. They got a lot of good value for a lot of players, and they just knocked it out of the park. This year, all the GMs knew how to kind of work the situation. They traded away all the players they knew they weren't going to be able to protect. They they managed their rosters. They left guys exposed to have bad contracts, and they just were very smart about it. The only team that didn't have to protect players were the Vegas Golden Knights, so a lot of teams just shipped guys to Vegas. So it was... Um, it wasn't going to be the same situation for Seattle. We saw it in their expansion draft. What they valued was cap space. 
They they have a big cap space coming into this year. That's what they're hanging their hat on. That's what Ron Francis is saying. Oh, we're garbage, I know, but cap space. So that's that's kind of their their talking point now. Their goaltenders haven't lived up to to par. Grubauer and Drager have just been horrendous. Francis says it himself. He's like, listen, we thought we were getting a Vesna goalie. He's not. He's really, really bad. He struggles, but we're going to stick with him. They can't, they can't get rid of him. They sign him to a long-term deal. So it is what it is. They got Grubauer. They got Drager. Moving on. What they do have is a lot of good, solid players, not guys who are game changers, not guys who are going to move the needle too much, but it's a guy who you can plug in on the fourth line or third line and make a difference. It's a guy who you can put in a maybe the fourth fourth or fifth deep pairing spot, maybe the sixth spot. There, there's some value in Seattle and their captain, Mark Giordano. He's looking a little long in the tooth. They're going to move him. It's a formality. He is not going to be long with the Seattle Kraken. Tim, you're a Mark Giordano insider. You are very good friends with him. What is he saying? What are the teams saying? Where does he want to go, Tim? Uh, there's a couple teams that are that are knocking on the door. Uh, Edmonton being the top one. Obviously, they're kind of in like free fall right now. Um, and actually, the report just came out that McDavid and Barry and Derek Ryan are all in COVID protocol right now as of like the last 20 minutes. I was hoping you were going to say they're going to the Olympics and they're retiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Edmonton needs a lot of different things, but one of them they certainly need is that defenseman, especially a veteran one who his, his game's a lot different from, from Duncan Keith, right? He brings a lot of different things in, in the veteran present than Duncan brings. Um, and so I think his that's certainly a destination where he could end up. Um, another one, Calgary is going back to the flames where he spent most, most of his career. You know, they love him back. You know, Daryl Sutter would like, that's, that's a Sutter type of player. So I could see him going back to Calgary. And then the New York Rangers are looking really, really good. Um, looking into a couple of defensemen, but I could see Giordano being there. Um, he's, he almost got traded there before. Um, so I, I think those are the teams to watch for, for Giordano. But again, like Chitron, I think a lot of teams are going to be knocking on that door. Yeah, I, I think he would be a an insurance defenseman for a lot of good, good teams. I don't think he cracks a lot of teams' lineups that are Stanley Cup contenders, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think – he's 38 years old, right? He brings a lot of experience. I don't think you would expect him to come in and be a top-four defenseman at this point in his career. Right now, he, he's playing first-line minutes with Seattle Kraken. He, he He's playing with Alexiak. They're they're okay, but goodness gracious, if you want Mark Giordano to come in and, and be your first or second pairing defenseman, I, I think you got another thing coming. But serviceable third third pairing D D guy, I think he'd be good. Maybe throw him on the kill. I think he's a good veteran guy. He would be good in Calgary. I don't think he helps Edmonton. I don't think he's he's what Edmonton needs. I, <laughs> if you get him at Edmonton and put him with Duncan Keith. Is that the oldest deep pairing in NHL history with Giordano and Duncan Keith? It has to be. Well, uh, Niedermeyer and Pronger is the other one that comes to mind. They're right? pretty old, too. Or Chara and anybody else he played with. Seidenberg. What about Al McInnes at the end of his career? But, yeah, totally. That's up there. So I think there's a couple smart places for him. But I, I would like to see him move. He'd be a feel-good story for a guy to win the cup. There's a couple guys around the league who it's like, I would love to see him raise the cup. He's one of them. Joe Thornton's another one. And there's a few other sentimental value. Jason Spezza would be great to see him lift the cup. So I don't know. It, it's it's all 
kind of just, we're, we're guessing right now. We're, we're a long way out from deals to be made, but hopefully something does happen because like I said, it's always good when a team makes an early grab. And when you look back and this, the seasons were true, there was a ton of trades. It's always a deal that was made a month before the season was like, ah, before the trade deadline, excuse me. I was like, that was a good deal. We should have did that. I wish I would have done that. But moving on, you know what I wish I would have done for lunch today, Tim? It's getting close. I wish I would have ordered DoorDash because I'm just I'm just very hungry. I I could just get you know what I might order DoorDash right now. Now that I'm talking about it, because it's so easy and the food gets here so fast. It's because DoorDash is the best food delivery service. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it all over the world for a long, long time. I love them. Tim loves them. Everybody loves them. So use DoorDash. Use promo code GlovesDD if you're in the U.S., promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Did I do that right? Yep. You guys know the promo codes. Use them. They're good. 25% off free delivery on your first order. It helps us out. It helps you guys out. It's a good thing. Ding dong, DoorDash, you're at your door. It's fantastic. It's food. Everybody needs food. I want to touch. I, I know we didn't talk about this. Are the New York Rangers the best team in the NHL right now? The way they've been playing, the way they've handled adversity with injuries, with people being out with the whole COVID thing, their starting goaltender being gone for so long, Shashirskin, Gorgiev stepped right up. He's a really good backup, could be your starter. Are they the most dangerous team in the playoffs, especially in the East? When you look at their roster, Lafreniere has not so quietly started to really play good hockey. He is solidifying that second, third line scoring role. Would you want to play the Tampa Bay Lightning or the New York Rangers in the first round if you're any team in the East. They're, they just look unbeatable at this point. I still rather play anybody other than Tampa Bay. Just, you know, they're just so good and they know how to do it when it's most important. But the Rangers are certainly, I think, I think Rangers, Lightning, and uh, Florida are my top three right now. Yeah, just looking at the Rangers' roster, it's just very scary. And where they can throw out a first line of Criders, Abinajad, and Kako. Then they got Lafreniere. Then you throw Panarin and, and who else? On the, Ryan Strom on the wing. It's a very good top two lines. They have solid guys in the back end. The, the, not the back end, the, the next two and third and fourth line when you got Barkley, Goudreau, Ryan Reeves. You have some good, solid physical guys. Their defense are solid with Adam Fox leading the way. Jacob Truba hits like a Mack truck. We've talked about him. So if I'm in the East, man, I do not want to play the New York Rangers. I would play maybe the Carolina Hurricanes, those two teams. I don't think Tampa Bay has that scare tactic anymore. I don't, I don't think anybody's afraid of them just because they've lost so much. It's it's the Hurricanes and the Rangers, Tim. Those two teams, I'm like, whoa, heads up. That division is going to be insane to get out of that Metropolitan Division. Those first two rounds of that division are going to be just epic. When you got Pittsburgh, Washington, Rangers, and Carolina, you're literally losing two solid teams in the first round. It's scary stuff. It's um, uh, That's the great thing about this playoff setup, but it's also the bad thing where it's like, okay, we could potentially lose – the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round because they have to match up versus Carolina. Right. It's just like a it's it's really bad, but it's also really cool because you get to see these really great matchups really early on. I don't know. I'm ranting and raving. So let's move on. You were you were watching the Bruins game last night and the couple yeah. games prior to that. So they've looked really good. They're three and zero since coming back from the break. But the important thing for them and the story really for this team right now, other than the rasting, is is the secondary scoring. Because we talked all season long, and really it goes back years. Is 
how heavily they rely on their top per- per- perfection line. And they're looking for secondary scoring, not getting it. And when they lose, that's usually why. Because they, they could lose four to three, and all three goals came from that top line. But since in the three games since they've come back, they've beaten um, Buffalo, they've beaten New Jersey, and they've beaten Detroit. And they're getting goals from Let me go down the list real quick. Craig Smith, Nick Foligno, his first of the year. Taylor Hall, who has been slumping a bunch. You got um, Eric Halla, his second. You got Trent Frederick, his first of the year. Thomas Nosick on their fourth line had his third goal of the year. You got Curtis Lazar, fourth liner. You got Oscar Steen, who scored in his first NHL game ever last night. Um, and Trent Frederick scoring his second of the night. And then, of course, you had Pasternak scoring the, the game-winning goal and Brandon Carlos scoring in garbage time. But it's just this is exactly what the, what these guys needed. And hopefully it's a little bit of a turning point. Hopefully Bergeron, Marsha, and Pasta are kind of – feeling a little bit of pressure come off their shoulders. I, I, I'm not, it's not, not to say that you're going to get, you know, nine goals in three, every three games from these guys moving forward, but if they can just get a little bit more contribution from, you know, consistently from their bottom six forwards, this is going to be a much more dangerous team than it was a month ago. Yeah. On paper, this team is, is a dangerous team when you look at it. And I, I think they have broken up the perfection. Line. I think Pasternak has been skating with Hall and Taylor Hall the last few games. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. They've bumped Craig Smith up to that first line. And if he can even produce at a 70% Pasternak rate, that's a win for them. Cause any, any line you put Pasternak on, he's going to make all the players better around him. And Eric Hall is a guy who can keep up with them. And we all know how good Taylor Hall can be. You know, how good can he be? He he's he kind of floats in and out of that superstar player that he was. So if he can get a posture knock on his right side and have hollow up and down and just chasing down pucks and forechecking, that's a pretty good line. Then, like you said, you, that bumps Charlie Coyle down to the third line. I like him there. He's a good heavy, heavy forward. You put him with Felino, who's also a big, heavy forward. That's your physical line. All of a sudden, the Bruins are pretty balanced. They, it's funny how it just... A couple tinkers, a couple guys scoring, maybe a few goals. All of a sudden, you're, you're looking at the Bruins with rose-colored glasses. And it's like, well, you know what? Maybe they're not so bad. Maybe we got something here. Maybe all of a sudden we go and we get a J- Jacob Chitron, put him with Charlie McAvoy in our first pairing. Heads up, we have like an unbelievable hockey team. The only thing that the Bruins don't have, they don't have a good prospects pool. They don't have a lot of like high-end guys in the minors who they can trade for Jacob Chitron. There's a few pieces, but... There's not that stud guy in the farm system where you can just be like, all right, we're going to give you him. We're going to give you a first rounder. That won't do it. I think there's better packages out there to get for Chitrud. But even if they don't get him, they have a pretty good team. Brandon Carlo's been playing well. The Bruins are a dangerous team. I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but stranger things have happened. But it's nice. It's really nice. It's nice to see the offseason work kind of coming to fruition because they do have – he did do a lot of good work. I like the Nick Foligno signing. I like the the Craig Smith signing. I like the Eric Hollis signing. And those players are good hockey players. And maybe it took them a little bit of time to gel and this and that. But good for Boston. Do you see this continuing? Is Tuka Rask going to come back and ruin everything? Uh, he's not going to come back and ruin everything. But, I mean, like I said, you're not going to get, like, this type of production from your second, you know, your third, fourth line guys um, night in and night out, but hopefully they're feeling confident. The real challenge is when they play the, the stronger teams, though, as much as we take every win we can get. This is Buffalo, Detroit, and uh, New Jersey that we're talking about. So I'll be more impressed if they can do this against the, the bigger, the playoff teams. And they have a pretty tough schedule down the stretch here, but 
Um, certainly things, it's a good sign. And, and hopefully, you know, they, they use that break to recalibrate, do a couple of tweaks. And so far it's paying off. Yeah. I like the Bruins. They're always there. They're always a fun team. Good. Well-coached team. When you have those three guys to kind of just hang your hat on, you know, you're going to be okay in the locker room. You know, you're going to be okay on the ice. So good for Boston. Not so good for another team out West. You know, I always, I always caution talking with the same teams over and over again. It, it's tough. But when a team has such high expectations and the fan base is just rabid for success and they win a couple of games and it's just like, let's plan the parade. Everything's great. It's hard not to talk about them. the Edmonton Oilers. Like I predicted, they lost again yesterday to the New York Rangers. Wasn't even close. The Rangers outpaced them, outplayed them, outscored them, outhit them, outworked them, out everything them. This could be the straw that broke the camel's back coming off the New Jersey game, coming off the, the devil's Islanders back-to-back games where they were just, just horrible, horrible games. All eyes are on the Oilers coming into this game. How are they going to match up with the Rangers? The Rangers were the hottest team and are the hottest team in the NHL. What were they going to do? They laid an absolute egg. McDavid wasn't good. Dryan Sino wasn't good. The big problem about who wasn't good was Miko Koskinen. He started the season off, much like all the Oilers did, just fantastic. I think he's his first nine games, he was like 7-0-2. He was very, very good. Everybody was relieved. We were wiping our brows saying, Whew. we dodged that bullet. We were worried about the goaltending coming into this, this season, but we're set. Koskinen's going to be our guy. Since then, he's been atrocious. He's been a bad goaltender. There's no buts about it. I think all the qualifying goaltenders, he, uh, there's like 30, 40 goaltenders out there. He's second worst when it comes to goals against and save percentage and all this stuff when they're a minimum of a certain amount of minutes. He's a bad goalie. He's a really bad goaltender. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Oilers put all their eggs in his back basket. They didn't give him any good option behind him. Mike Smith, they re-signed him for two years. Everybody had to know he was going to break down. He's he's an old goaltender. He's He's been through the battles, so... What do you do with a goaltender like this? What did what did Dave Tippett say after the game in New York? He, he's going to reassure his goaltender, build his confidence back up. What what was his quote, Tim? Or what was Koskinen's quote? Sorry. Well, Tippett wasn't too kind to him. Um, and he, he said he regrets his quote-unquote brutal error in that loss to the Rangers. So he's calling his goalie out um, to the media, which is not something a player ever likes to hear. But what was more interesting is Koskinen's response. So this came from a, a Finnish interview um, back with his home country. I don't know if it was a radio show or, or what, but um, he was asked about Tippett's comments and Koskinen said, quote, it's not nice being thrown under the bus. I have to be better. But at the same time, we scored seven goals in my last six losses. I can't score goals. And I absolutely love that he said that. I think it's great because one, one, he's, he's got a point. Like, he, yeah, he needs to be better, but you, he's not getting any goals in front of him. And two, I like when a player like claps back at the, he's clapping back at the coach for saying, he's clapping back at the guys in front of him saying like, Hey, you're on the hot spot too. So I, I like it. I hate this. I don't what? know how you can, how is this good for the team? How is this helping the Edmonton Oilers when he, when he, when he gets on the bus, when he walks in the locker room, do you think that's going to help everyone's relationship? And do you think it's going to help the team by him saying this? What What is he supposed to say in that moment? Because he thinks he's unfairly called out already. So he can't say something back? No, he can't. Unless he's like having a Vesna type season. He's a, He's been atrocious. 
He cost that team the first goal because he was wandering out of the net, gives up the puck, and then the Rangers are up one nothing. They've had a trouble. They've had a problem with giving up the first goal. I can see him saying this if he's in a situation where he is playing lights out, standing on his head like a Jonathan Quick or, or another goalie like that, where he's just playing really, really great hockey and the team's not giving him any offensive help. The Oilers are like one of the highest scoring offensive teams in the NHL, are they not? Do yep. they not score a ton of goals? Do they not have the two best players on the planet? I, I do. It's it's insane that this guy has the balls to say this. It's it's incredible. This is not helping the Edmonton Oilers. This is just passing the buck. It's like, oh, it wasn't my fault. We're just not scoring goals. Yeah, we've only scored seven goals and six losses, Miko, but you've probably given up 40 goals. So let's not just like say they're not scoring goals. You're giving up a ton. You gave up four goals last game. You're not supposed to give up four goals a game. And I bet you if you go back and look at all the games he's played in, he's been giving up a lot more than two goals a game, probably three, four, five. So I don't like this. Maybe if this was a Martin Brodeur saying this or a Connor Hellebuck or a guy who has some kind of history in this league of being a really good goaltender. This is, this is trouble. This is bad news for the Edmonton Oilers. It's really bad news. It got me thinking of all the other goaltenders who were available in the offseason, and the Oilers just completely swinging a miss on their biggest biggest need. They just went back to the well, re-upped uh, Mike Smith, brought back Koskinen. I know they went hard on Jacob Markstrom, and he went to Calgary. Should have went harder. Uh, Mark andre Fleury, the Blackhawks pretty much got him for free from Vegas. Um, they could have gotten Drager or Grubauer, who went to Seattle. I know they're struggling right now, but they're better than Koskinen. They could be playing in you know, in front of a better team. There's a lot of good, uh, Darcy Kempfer. There's a lot of good goaltenders who, who move teams this year and the Rangers just missed a boat. And it's been like this for the last few years where they have an obvious need in net and they don't do anything. So I, I don't like this. The Oilers are a dumpster fire at this point. They're, they're in massive trouble. How about uh Braden Holpe? What a season he's having, right? He was available. He could have been at a fraction of a penny on the dollar. You could have got him. It just is insane. And then you have your goaltender who's lost the last his last seven or nine games saying, uh, it's nice, not nice being thrown under the bus. You're not being thrown under the bus. You're there because you suck. That's where you are. You're not, you know, no one's throwing you under the bus. You're, you're walking over there and lying down because you're playing like garbage, Miko. Man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. These kids have no sense of awareness, no sense of what's going on in their life. They never want to take blame. I hate, I always go back to this and I hate that I have to do it. This is an example of kids not taking responsibility for their actions. He's a dumpy goaltender right now. And instead of coming out and be like, you know what? The coach has got a point. I've been playing bad. No, he just blames somebody else. Isn't that insane to you? And you like it. It's right. It's crazy. It's crazy to me that he's blaming. I'm going to blame all my, my teammates because they're not scoring enough goals. I want them to keep scoring six goals a game so we can win like, like we did at the beginning of the year. That's how we have to win. We have to win seven, five. So I get my wins because I'm playing good. Like you're nuts, kid. We'll see how long you lost in the league with that. He's lucky. You got that deal. That drives me crazy. That stuff. Doesn't it? You like it though. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm, right. looking at the, I'm looking at the standings now. The Islanders are obviously out of a playoff spot. I, I don't have Cap Friendly in front of me, but do you think they have two good goaltenders? Do you think they would trade a, a Varlamov? I think Sorokin's a guy for the future, right? Well, the, the problem is the numbers. The, the Oilers are right up against the cap, and Varlov, he makes $5 million bucks a year. So can you, can you carry that cap hit? Do you send Mike Smith down to the minors? Do you just make him go on the IR? It, 
the Oilers have so many needs. That's the problem. It's like you can't just get a new goaltender. They 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 really ruined this in the offseason when they re- brought back those two guys. So I don't see them making a move. And there's no good fix for Edmonton. There really isn't. You're saddled with Koskinen. You got Mike Smith. Like Koskinen makes $4.5 million. Smitty signed up for another year at 2.2. No one's going to take either of those contracts. So no, no, I don't see them bringing another goaltender. There's just no way they could do it. They're right up against the cap. They have zero space. It's, it's not a good look for Edmonton right now. What is a good look is Troy Terry. My word, Tim, this guy, where, where is he now in the league in scoring? Because this guy came out of absolutely nowhere. He is now third in the league in scoring after his hat trick last night against Philadelphia. And it is so much fun to watch. This guy is just, he's just, I don't know. I, I, I like, I've always liked him as a player. And, and just the fact that like a fifth rounder can come in and just play this well, kind of out of nowhere to have like a big leap year like this. It's a lot of fun. It's good news for the Ducks. And I think, I think he's still probably not getting the respect he deserves. Totally agree. It's, it's an Anaheim thing. You know, nobody out West really gets the respect they deserve. They're on a different time zone. No one cares about the Pacific division because it's just not a great division. So uh, that was the one thing I was hoping for. If there was international play, potentially Troy Terry could have snuck on a team. You know what I mean? Potentially, probably not, but it would have been fun. He's a good, he's a good player. He's a, you know what? It, it coincides with him being with Isaac Lindstrom. Oh yeah. I'm not going to connect the dots, but it's, it's, it's obvious. It's honestly, how many uh, assisted Lundstrom get on those three goals? Like five? <laughs> Probably. Probably six. So, I think he double assisted all of them. Oh, so incredibly good, that guy. All right, one more thing I wanted to touch on. Potentially the goal of the year. Potentially we are watching the emergence of the best defenseman who's ever, you know, laced him up. Kale McCart. Absolutely just roasted. Friend of the show, Kirby Doc. Hate to do it to him. Just made him look silly. Walked in. From the sharpest angle I've ever seen, usually when you're on that type of an angle, he's coming in from bottom of the circle. He dekes out the goalie from the bottom of the circle. Usually goalies just hold their ground and stand up straight, and it's like a, you got nothing to shoot at. He dekes out Marc-Andre Fleury. He goes forehand, backhand, back to forehand, back to back, backhand, under the bar. It was an unbelievable goal in overtime. Like It was it was remarkable. It was so remarkable. I watched it probably f- five to 10 times. It was that good of a goal where I had to slow it down. I'm like, what is Kirby doc doing? Kale McCarr read, read Kirby perfectly. It was just an absolute gem of a goal. And what did you think of it? Oh, it was incredible. I watched it probably more than 10 times. Well, I watched um, it like 20 times. I probably watched it 30 times. It was, just, I'm good. still watching it right now. It's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, it was awesome. It was just like, yeah, it's like you said, and you kind of got a little flack for saying that he could end up being the best defenseman of all time, but he's doing things that, I mean, like even Eric Carlson in his prime wasn't making moves like that. He wasn't scoring goals like that. And maybe his game isn't complete as complete yet as some of the other great names, but He's on his way, and the talent there is just something we haven't really seen before. So it's it's pretty special to watch. It's cool when you watch the goal. If you haven't seen it, he watches Kirby Doc skates, and I don't know what Kirby's doing, what defensive move he's doing when he's shuffling his feet and like bringing his back foot forward to his front forward, making it impossible to stop and turn. It's one of the most awkward ways to skate you just put your stick on the puck it's it's not how you play defense at all like you can tell kirby is a centerman who doesn't get put in this position a lot but mccarr <laughs> sees it he he quickly turns around and doc has no chance like when your feet are that close together 
it, it's just a bad, bad look. So the thing that's remarkable is how he just absolutely just fakes out Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury could go down as one of the top three, top five goaltenders of all time, and he makes him look mediocre. He he, you know he's not going to pass it across. You're, that guy's taken. He's at such a sharp angle, and he gets Mark Andre Fleury to dive down and to play the bottom of the ice, and he's protecting areas that are not even where the net is. So it's a remarkable play from Kale McCarr. I truly, honestly believe. He has the potential to score the most points ever for any defenseman who's ever laced up the skates. The way the game's played right now, the way the team that he's jumped in on, the Colorado Avalanche, are just primed and loaded to just score goals and score points for a long time coming. He got 50 points his rookie year. He got 44 points last year. He is just blowing it out the doors right now. The only thing that stunk was he got his first two seasons shortened because of the COVID. If it were 82-game seasons, this guy is like potentially MVP category. When you're a defenseman and you can put up a point per game, like your MVP talk, it, it's really remarkable what he's doing. It, I'm telling you right now, if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, I'm signing this guy to a million-year deal for as much as he wants because he's only going to get better. He's a very, very good defenseman. If you haven't seen this goal, go check it out. It's really incredible. All right, Tim, we nailed the points bet last last uh, show. What are we doing this time? It's funny. I've been watching. Uh, hold on. Before you do that, I've been watching that video the whole time. And what you just said about MVP, it made me pu- pull it up real quick. When's the last time a defenseman won the Hart Trophy for MVP? Was that Bobby? Nope. No, it happened. It, it happened Pronger? more recent than that. Yeah. Pronger in 2000. That was the last okay. time. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the game tonight, uh, we were right about Edmonton losing to the Rangers. There's only two games tonight. One of them is boring to me. So I'm going to go back to the Oilers and I'm going oh, no. to bet against them again. And here's oh, why. Oh, no. I would bet against them anyway, but oh, no. McDavid's out. Oh, no. Nugent Hopkins is out. Oh. Tyson Berry's out. No. Worst of all, Derek Ryan is out. And oh, But Toronto's missing Matthews. Oh, no. He has a second negative test today. So he's oh. looking like he's going to play tonight. So and many negative tests. The game's in Toronto. Oh, <laughs> no fans. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Leafs over the Oilers tonight. Unless I'm still going to do it. But my only question mark is, and I, I, I know you're going to say no to this, but does Koskinen's response, does he, does he have a big, big, big boy game tonight? And, no. and come back and no, he's not even going to start. He's not playing. They're going to play their backup emergency call up that kid. There's no way Koskinen steps foot in that net tonight after what he said about Tippett. Tips is an old school coach. He's going to sit that goalie down on the bench. He's going to make him sit there. And the, yeah, there's no way he plays in my opinion. Maybe he will. Maybe I'm crazy, but tips is an old school dude. He's going to make that goalie get bag skated in Toronto by himself with the assistant coach. And it's going to be a long, long day for Koskinen. So he should have kept his mouth shut. Spoiled little brat. <laughs> All right. Is that it, Tim? That's it for today. All right, everybody. Well, Tim, go get a nap. Get yourself some sleep. You need it. And thanks, everybody, for listening. It's a pleasure to be able to talk to you guys day in and day out. So I hope everybody's doing well. We will talk to you on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.